Welcome to Weirdies, a podcast about old horror films and a love affair with the weird. My name's Paul. On this episode, I am discussing the 1966 Hammer film, The Plague of the Zombies, starring Andre Morel, Diane Clare, Brooke Williams, Jacqueline Pierce, and John Carson. It was directed by John Gilling and written by Peter Bryan. Music is from the great James Bernard. This is a fantastic film. One of the greats in the Hammer canon as far as I'm concerned. It was also extremely influential on zombie movies that followed with its set pieces, makeup and imagery. for a terrifying destination. Dead. But no corpse can remain at peace in this village of the undead, this land of the zombies. In this place, no one is safe. No one can hide from witchcraft, superstition, and fear. Even Sir James Forbes, the clear-headed man of science, was forced to accept the horrifying facts. Young Martinus also says that he saw something on the moors, something that he insists was his brother. But we know that his brother is dead. We also know that he is not lying in his coffin. Someone in this village is practicing witchcraft. That corpse wandering on the moors is an undead zombie. A place dominated by men without morals, whose bloodlusts are excited by hunting a human quarry. When Sylvia Forbes hated the young squire, it was dangerous. But when she fell in love with him, it was lethal. open on some kind of ceremony where three men are feverishly beating on drums and a masked man at an altar removes a doll from a mini coffin. Freeze frame on a doll in a coffin with blood spattered as the credits roll. James Bernard's score trumpets away as the drums continue to thunder in the background. Some mental voodoo shit going down it seems given the drummers of African origin and the use of dolls for magical purposes. We see Jacqueline Pierce, who plays Alice, as asleep in bed. However, she becomes restless as the mysterious masked man at the ceremony recites some magical bollocks. Alice begins to echo his words in her sleep. The man takes a vial of blood 
and pours it onto the doll in a coffin. Alice awakes with a scream. Good spooky start. Very, very, very good. Very good indeed. Yeah, the 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 masked man, the the, the actual mask and all that, and the, the you know the the robes he's wearing and all that. Very good. And the the set design is excellent here. It appears that they're kind of in some underground chamber or something. Yeah, and the, you know the the guys beating on the drums and all that. Yeah, very good, very good indeed. And setting us up for yeah, a few uh, a few scares and shit. Yep. We get a quick cut to Andre Morel in his study practicing his fly fishing with his rod in hand. Morel is playing Sir James Forbes, and his daughter Sylvia, played by Diane Clare, enters with the mail. Sir James is not interested, but Sylvia opens a letter from Cornwall where his former prize student, Peter Thompson, is now a GP. The young doctor has written to tell his former master of mysterious deaths and illnesses that he cannot explain. Sir James is interested. His pushy daughter suggests they go and see him and Alice, whom we just saw and who also happens to be Sylvia's friend and wife of the GP. Sir James playfully suggests that he should have drowned Sylvia at birth as she heads off to pack his stuff. Other people who should have been drowned at birth are fox hunters. As a side note here, if you are a fox hunter, or approve of their existence, please switch off and go and fuck yourself. Okay. We see a bunch of fox hunters as Sir James and Sylvia head along the path towards the village where Dr Peter lives. Sylvia sees the poor fox race across a field as the cunts give chase. The chief huntsman halts the coach to ask the driver if he saw the fox. He says no, but Sylvia says she saw it go that way, sending the arseholes in the wrong direction. Well done Sylvia. Hunt saboteur and all-round badass. The coach arrives at the village as a funeral is in progress. Then the hunt pricks appear and knock over the coffin, spilling the body of a man out. The hunt leader voices his displeasure at Sylvia and says she better stay out his way. The dead man's brother, Tom Martinus, tells them to fuck off too. A great Cornish welcome then. They go to Dr Thompson's house and his wife Alice does not recognise them at first. She has dark circles under her eyes and her house is a fucking tip apparently. Alice also has a dressing around her right forearm. No wonder she looks tired. We have already seen the masked man haunt her in her sleep. Sir James decides to head into the village while the two friends catch up. We see Dr Peter, played by Brooke Williams, in the tavern, nursing a brandy. He looks down on his luck, and no mistake. The brother of the dead man appears and confronts the doctor. Why don't you know how people here are dying, he asks. Dr Peter says he's not been allowed to find out due to their superstitions. They won't allow any post-mortems to be carried out. Just before the assembled villagers lynch the young doctor, Sir James appears and smooths it all out. The doctors have dinner with Sylvia and Alice. Sir James sends the women to bed, but at least he says he and Peter will do the dishes, 
which for 1860 is tantamount to a miracle. Hunt saboteurs and men sharing domestic chores. This, yeah, could be the least believable part of this film. <laughs> of course, when we see the men doing the dishes, they make an arse of it because both of them drop a plate. It's kind of like saying, yeah, you know, the guys are doing it, but, you know, you girls are better than, than men. Yeah, you should be doing this. Yeah, which, you know, it's a bit of a disappointment. But hey-ho, it is what it is. Anyway, Alice tells Sylvia how amazing the local squire is, handsome and rich and cool. Later, Sylvia sees Alice leave the house and she follows her. Alice heads for some mineworks, and then we see the shadow of a hand reach up to her. Meanwhile, Sylvia is scared by a rather pissed Tom Martinus, the brother of the dead man we saw earlier, and runs away only to be picked up by the hunt arseholes who take her back to Squire Hamilton's house. They intimidate her and draw cards to see who will presumably rape her. The squire himself, played by John Carson, angrily intervenes and tells them to fuck off. He offers his apologies, but Sylvia refuses and refuses to be taken home by anyone. She heads out herself and at some mineworks she sees a monstrous and grey-skinned figure holding the lifeless body of Alice. The figure cackles and throws the body down and it tumbles towards Sylvia. Great iconic scene this. Great makeup effects. The blank white contact lenses in particular. Just great. Absolute. Lovely. Lovely stuff. The two doctors are busy digging up John Martinus when they are interrupted by the cops. One of whom is Sergeant Jack Swift, played by the great Michael Ripper, a veteran hammer actor and much loved by fans. He tells the grave robbers that they will be getting nicked for a... Grave Robin. Sir James quickly opens a coffin lid to have a peek, but John Martinus is not there. The cop gives the doctor some time to investigate before he files any report, as Sir James tells him they need to find out what the fuck is going on. Sir James has to impart the news to Peter that Alice is dead. On the upside though, they now have a body to do an autopsy on. With Alice's body laid out, they examine her. No rigor mortis. What? Sir James reveals that the blood around her mouth is not human. Michael Ripper is giving Tom Martinus a grilling, as he is suspected of killing Alice. Tom tells him he saw his dead brother at the mine, all grey he was. The post-mortem shows nothing. So much for science. Sylvia confirms that the grey man she saw looked like John Martinus. Uh-oh. Sergeant Swift and the two doctors discuss some exposition. I didn't know this place even existed. What do they mine here, son? Oh, tins. Tin? Yes, there's a rich vein runs under here, sir, worth a fortune. Yeah. Why has it been allowed to fall into decay like this, sir? There was a lot of accidents, sir. Miners killed and maimed. In the end, they wouldn't go down there. They said it was unlucky. Old Squire, he was furious, but he had to shut it down. Has young Hamilton tried to reopen it? Oh, no, sir. But then he don't need the money. Huh? Where did he get his money from, then? Well, I can't rightly say, sir. He was away when his father died in foreign parts. 
Old Squire left him the house and a lot of unpaid bills. And when young Squire Hamilton come back here, he shut himself up there, wouldn't see nobody. Then suddenly he had a lot of young people down, staying there and spending money like water. It's creepy. They do say, sir, that it's... Uh... What do they say, son? That it's haunted. Well, how did you know that, sir? Well, it doesn't take much guessing, does it? Hmm. Where is this man getting his money from? The man in question, Squire Hamilton, pays Sylvia a visit. John Carson's voice is like uncrushed velvet, like the honey voice product of a sexual union between James Mason and Peter O'Toole. I like his voice a lot. Anyway, he appears to charm Sylvia in the standard, rich, posh cunt merchant ivory way. He blags a glass of sherry and then drops it deliberately, which causes Sylvia to cut her hand. The squire makes it bleed into another glass to ward off infection, he says. But what he is really doing is stealing her blood, because he puts it in a glass vial and hides it in his coat. Sylvia seems to like him more than she did ten minutes ago. She seems in a trance. I know, Syl, it's the voice. Later, we see the squire produce a miniature coffin from his desk with a wee doll in it. In a life-sized, dead-sized coffin lies Alice's body. Sylvia pays her respects to her, and to her horror, seems to realise that the cut on the dead woman's arm is somehow related to the cut on her finger. As Alice is being laid to rest in the cemetery, the squire, for it is he, is back in his mask and gown in the underground chamber, conducting a ceremony. He pours Sylvia's blood onto a doll in a coffin and we see the cut on Sylvia's finger suddenly bleed as she stands graveside. She appears faint and is led away by Peter. Way to make it all about you, Sylvia. Anyway, Sir James chins the vicar for a loan of some of his books on witchcraft and black magic. Instead of this being a euphemism for saucy pictures of naked ladies, he actually means books on witchcraft and stuff. Sir Peter is suddenly convinced of all this voodoo bollocks. I I find all kinds of witchcraft slightly nauseating, and this I find absolutely disgusting. Well, you're not following me, and there's no reason why you should find it explained properly, uh, unless you would like to... No, I'm ignorant in these matters. Oh, no. Sylvia tells us that she saw something on the moors. Something that was a man and yet not a man. Her description was of a walking corpse. The corpse of Martinus' brother. Now, young Martinus also says that he saw something on the moors. Something that he insists was his brother. But we know that his brother is dead. We also know that he is not lying in his coffin. Now, what do you make of that? That he was buried alive, that he somehow freed himself, and he's out there. But I've told you, Peter, I saw him. And he was as dead then as any corpse I have ever seen. No, that's not the answer. And what is? A, what is the connection with voodoo? Someone in this village is practicing witchcraft. That corpse wandering on the moors is an undead, a zombie. It's incredible, sir. 
How can you, a, a man of science, believe... Well, I have an advantage over you there, Peter. I spent the afternoon reading up the subject in the vicar's library. And it's all there. It's all clearly scientifically stated. And we have the evidence of two sensible human beings. What can be done? About Martinus' brother? Nothing. I'm thinking of Alice. Are you saying that Alice is... Peter, I am. I pray that I'm wrong. But I'm going to watch over her grave tonight with the vicar until daybreak. The vicar and our boys pay a visit at midnight to the graveyard. The vicar is a bit shit at this and falls asleep as they watch for something to happen. Sir James lets the old codger head home, but uh-oh, there are masked and gowned men abroad tonight. One of them attacks the cleric, leaving him lying in an alleyway. Sir James and Peter take him home in a rather shaken state, and while they're doing that, the masked men get to work uncovering Alice's grave. Our boys return and scare the men away. We see Alice appear to turn slate grey before our eyes and she is suddenly sentient. Zombie, mutters Sir James. Zombie Alice climbs out her coffin and faces the men. Alice looks great in her burial shroud with a malevolent grin. James Merner's orchestra swells with each footstep she makes. Sir James backs away onto a handy shovel at his feet. He uses the implement to behead Alice. Fantastic stuff here, and so well edited. Firstly, to thrill the audience, and also to circumvent the censors, who seemingly clutch their perils at everything. Peter looks on in horror at his wife's head lying in the dirt. Great makeup effects here especially zombie Alice's eyes. For the young doctor, the horror is not over. What follows is for me one of the greatest horror scenes ever. The undead begin to rise from their graves. Hands poke through dirt as Peter is rooted to his spot. The atmosphere is of a nightmare as the mist gives the scene a dreamlike quality. The slowly approaching... From front and back, zombies look great. The makeup is top notch for for the time and for the budget. Five of the fuckers surround him, and it was just a dream. Whew. Brilliant stuff. Brilliant. Peter gets some comfort from Sir James, and we learn that the beheading of his wife did happen but she has been given absolution and reburied. That's good, because the whole thing was her fault, so it's good that God has forgiven her. The vicar leaves them to it. Bit of a shite bag, this guy. Anyway, Sir James and the police sergeant check the graves, and of course, they're all empty. Sir James decides to see young Martinus in the cells, but uh uh-oh... The squire has got there before him, and the prisoner is gone. Sir James decides to cut to the fucking chase and pays the squire a visit. He sneakily opens a side window while waiting on the landowner to see him. The squire is evasive and rather rude, 
but then Sir James did barge into his house. Well? Yes, thank you. You being funny? No, I'm not being funny. I'm just trying to remember my manners. I wish I could say the same for you. My name is Forbes. Yours is Hamilton, I believe. What do you want? I want to talk to you, Mr. Hamilton. In private. Get out. What do you want to see me about? About Alice Thompson? About young Martinus? About my daughter, Mr. Hamilton? What about them? And about many others who should be at rest now. At rest in their graves. What has happened to them? How should I know? I don't know how, but you do know. You know very well what has happened to them. Are you mad? I almost wish I was. This business is so appalling. Mr. Hamilton, am I right in thinking that you've spent a large part of your life abroad? In the Caribbean? In Haiti, to be precise? And while you were there, did you learn something of the practice of voodoo? You are mad. No, I'm not. But can the same be said of you? Get out of here! I'm not going. Yes, you are. So Sir James is thrown out the house but he later sneaks back in via the open window. He snoops about a Squire Hamilton in full costume begins to bewitch Sylvia. We see her mouth his words in the room with Peter. Come to me, says the Squire. She leaves via the front door as Peter fetches her some water. We see the tin mine in operation, and yes, the zombies are the ones extracting the metal. It seems the squire has solved his staffing crisis and got round any health and safety issues. If your workers are already dead, then what harm can you do to them? They are being whipped by Hamilton's thugs nonetheless. Are they going to feel that? Who knows? Sir James, meanwhile, is in the squire's study and finds the little coffins and dolls in his desk. As he is sneaking out, he is attacked by fox hunting thug number one. This man in his sixties at least manages to overcome a fit young man by stabbing and setting him on fire. Impressive. Of course, now the daft old cunt is trapped inside a burning room. He escapes by overpowering another fit young man who tells him all the action is in the mine shaft. Peter, meanwhile, has headed there himself and intervenes as Squire Hamilton is about to plunge a big fucking knife into Sylvia, supine on his altar. While this is going on, the zombies suddenly start to smoke. No, not a break. The Squire would never allow fag breaks. They are smoking because each of their little coffins in the study are on fire. The doctors and Sylvia manage to escape via the lift as they let Squire Hamilton succumb to the wrath of the zombies who are on fire. (laughs) What an entertaining and novel way to go. Burning zombies. Cool. 
Our three heroes watch as the mind burns in the night. End credits. Great stuff. A taut 86 minutes of classic horror. Hammer at its best. Great sets, great makeup, great costume design. Great music and pretty good acting all round. The only way you could improve this is by having one or both of Cushing and Lee. But the cast here, they're, they're, they're fine. It's a shame that Diane Clare's voice is dubbed in this, a thing Hammer did from time to time with actors. Despite their apparent chemistry in this, especially in the first scene of the film, Andre Morel did not get on with Diane Clare, and may have had a hand in the dubbing of her voice. Hmm. I also like the slant of anti-capitalism here, along with the progressive view on fox hunting. Not expected in a so-called hammy kind of horror film, but as we know, horror reflects the times it's in. The 60s being an all-too-brief time when the establishment was called into question and its rituals and traditions mocked. Of course, both the Squire and Sir James are the establishment. One cold and willing to murder to make a buck, and one patrician and willing to be decent and fair. We are rooting for decent and fair, but really, it's just one kind of subjugation over another. There's me being all political again. So, that's The Plague of the Zombies, a definite top ten film for me. I hope you enjoy it too. Next on the slate is one of the greatest, the greatest, horror directors, John Carpenter, with his Prince of Darkness. Science and superstition blended into one very interesting and underrated film. See you on that one. Bye now. Thank you once again for listening. If you enjoyed your experience, maybe you'd consider a small donation to help me cover the costs of hosting. As little as £5 a month, or as a one-off, would be a great help. If I make £20 a month, I will be cost neutral. I am afraid I cannot offer any bonus stuff. Being a full-time nurse puts pay to that. I don't want to keep away from tiered access anyway. This is a podcast for the people. If you can, please do. If you can't, please continue to listen. You can contribute via ko-fi.com forward slash weirdies. That's ko-fi, ko-fi.com forward slash weirdies. Thank you once again.